up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star Rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 172 are open. This week on the show, we're talking about our little bit of gameplay with Sephiroth and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Miyamoto takes us on a tour around Super Nintendo World and much more. Joining me once again in the chair beside me is Bryce DeWitt. How you going, mate? No, don't you do this every episode. You, don't you dare. Yes. Oh, God. Hello. Yes, I'm good. Good, good. I'm good, yeah. Headphones aren't fitting very well today. I don't know why. That's weird. They're the exact same headphones. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm. Did you get a bigger head or a you smaller bit, head? You, you might have been podcast cheating on me. Okay. okay. I got my big-headed friend in and it's just uh, ruined the headphones. <laughs> Oh, it's all good. It's all good, dude. They're back to normal now, I think. Yeah, see? A little bit of pull there. I can tell you right now, I don't know anyone with a bigger head than you, so... Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're all good. That's a lovely comment. Mm. I love it. So it's great to see you again, Bryce. We yes. uh, missed last week, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I, I put out on the Discord, I'm like, should I do a solo episode or no episode? Everyone's like, eh. So I'm take, like, oh, all right. <laughs> take, take, take a break. Yeah. Take a break, yeah. Yes, yeah. We've been trying to keep consistent, regardless of all the... Uh, Obvious arisen issues this year, and I think, um, you know, coming into this season, we're both very busy people, and I think yeah, a busy, break is nice. Busy, busy. <laughs> um, but how are things going for organisation for Christmas at the moment? You're ready? Yeah, or? yeah, no, we're ready. Um, uh, the only thing is, is I've been jumping around three jobs, so it's sort of like... Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> trying, to get, trying to get everything ready in between has been quite exhausting, but... Got the presents sorted out for the kids? And yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it's all done. Yeah. Any Nintendo-related gifts I, I going not, out? I'd not tell you, actually. I received a $200 tip from a patron at Beachport. Really? Yes, I did. 200 bucks. $200 tip, yeah. Wow, why? Yeah. Um, What'd you do? Well, first, of all, first, first off, it was Corey. Mm. Corey gave it to me, and uh, he pulled me aside. And at first, I thought he was going to pull a prank on me, because he's like, oh, <laughs> step outside, I'll give you $200. I'm like... What do you mean? <laughs> He's like, I'm like, where's your mates? And they're like, over there. They were still in the pub. I'm like, okay, then. And I went out there and he was like, uh, you know, I, I could tell you've been working very hard. And, you know, you, <laughs> you know, he was, he was just, no, he was being a generally good kid because I was so exhausted that day and I looked it like I looked terrible. And he was just like, he's just like, I want to give you this and, you know, spend it on your kids for Christmas. I'm like. Okay, um, I'm a little bit dumbfounded, and I mean, I really appreciate the sentiment, but why? And he's basically just like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? Sit here and spend it on alcohol all night? You're like, good point, give it here. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, I was just like, yeah, but, you know, at least you're sort of having fun or whatever. And he's just like, you know, he kind of said, you know, I've, I've sort of been cruising my way through life as it is, and I've never really had to pay for much myself or whatever. And hmm. yeah, here you go. Just. You know, spend it on your kids for Christmas. That's my only condition. And I'm like, well, Jesus. Yeah, I was lost for words. It was absolutely, absolutely crazy. So on Christmas, I'm going to bundle up a nice little picture set of the kids unwrapping their presents and stuff like that. And I'm going to send it to them. Say so you've made them very happy for Christmas. Wow. So that was really, really nice of him. Yeah, wow, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely mad. I, for- I completely forgot to tell you about it. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a lovely guy. Corey, oh, isn't yeah, he? yeah. He's he's awesome. Yeah. He always has been, you know. <laughs> Even before he gave you 200 bucks. Well, no, <laughs> well, no he, he's, he's sort of, he's sort of like, um, he, he brought it up. He's like, oh, he's a, I missed I miss the banter with you and Drew and, you know, it's been a while and all that. And I said, yeah, you, you won't see Drew till February. 
So <laughs> yeah. just don't we have a podcast? You can always listen to Bryce and I's banter. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, no, on second thought, I'll take that money back. <laughs> Uh, I forgot you guys are unleashing that atrocity to this world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, does Evie get any uh, Switch games or anything for a yeah, Switch? Yeah, or? she's got one Switch game and um, that's that's a Paw Patrol game. Oh, okay. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Can't stop that train. I've got another, another person uh, I know grabbed a Switch in these trying times, which was my mother-in-law. So, I lent, oh, really? her, lent her a few games. Yeah. Okay. She's always played video games. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. But, but. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, here, here's my gig- gigantic stack of Nintendo Switch games. Pick a few and uh, give me a Switch. I'll sign in my profile and you can use my downloaded titles as oh, well. Wow. Yeah, cool. So she's got plenty of games to play. Yeah, she'll have a bit to <laughs> oh, yeah. get into. Yeah, yeah big time. But um, she's like, oh, I'll take Zelda and I'll take something else like it physically. I'm like, cool. Yeah, no worries. Mm. I'm like, and uh, my profile's signed in. So if you want to play any of these, just download them. You cool? So is Breath of the Wild going to be a first Nintendo Switch game she jumps into, you reckon? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's uh, already started playing it, I think. Um, but with Christmas so close, she hasn't had a ton of time to play it. Did but she get a normal Switch? Yeah. Yep. So um, I, I guess the story behind it is somebody else bought it. Um, uh, I don't want to go too far into details because it's a, a bit of a thing. But one of her friends... Um, <laughs> One of her friend's grandkids uh, ended up in a, a bit of trouble and needs to go on house arrest, and she she said she'd take him in. No switch for you. No, well, no. He he chucked a he chucked a hissy fit because um, he wanted a PlayStation or something. He's a, he's a, he was a, a spoiled kid, obviously. Uh-huh. He chucked a hissy hissy fit because he got uh, she got him um, a switch and he wanted a PlayStation. So she's like, all right. So she went and bought him a PlayStation. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but she did. And, um, uh, yeah, my uh, mother-in-law said, all right, well, I'll, I'll buy the Switch off you then so there's no loss. And she did. So there you right. go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. It's really exciting this time of year when uh, uh, new people to the, like Nintendo and all that get gifted a Switch. Hmm. It's like, oh, well, what are you going to play? Like, you know, four, almost four years in, there's just so much to there jump into. There's so many games. Like you're gonna, yeah. You know, there's Zelda, Mario, Pokemon. There's just... Countless games, like all the indie games they can get lost in. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So many things. And like with obviously again with my profile connected, she's sort of got everything that I've that I've got. And there's there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Like, <laughs> obviously I've got a lot of physical games as well, but digitally I have so much. Even just like uh, Smash is like one of the games that I have digitally and don't mm. have a physical copy of. So it's sort of like cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, when you run into um, a situation when you're trying to play Smash Bros or something and it's like, oi, someone's already playing this and it kicks you out. Or, <laughs> or you're already playing, then she logs in and it kicks you out. I don't think... Um, I don't. Is that a thing that can happen? I don't know. Yeah, it is. So um, maybe maybe it won't on your console because I assume yours is the primary console yeah. for yours. But uh, for hers, every single time, she'll have to be online and she'll have to check... Uh, to see if she has the license, but if you're already playing it, it won't let her in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not. I'm not sure if, um, like, say, if I'm already playing something online or whatever, and I'm I'm currently connected to the internet. I'm not entirely sure she can kick me off playing things. No, I don't think she can because I'm I'm on my primary console. Yeah. yeah. It always annoyed me so much with um the PlayStation Four. Like, our the PlayStation's the main thing we use for Netflix, and that would be in the living room, and I'll on my just like original PlayStation in in the office area here and I want to play through 
at the time I wanted to play through Spider-Man and Shantae was just on Netflix. And when she logs into Netflix, it kicks me out of Spider-Man. Or if I'm in VR, it kicks me out of VR. So I've just got this helmet on. It's got like this message in my face. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so annoying. At least on the Switch, you can sort of um, play different games and you're fine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I believe it works same on the Xbox too. So, <clears throat> yes. Oh, well. Mm. Oh, well. So, yeah. And before we get into uh, the one and only announcement at the Game Awards that relates to Nintendo and the Switch, which is uh, Sephiroth in Super Smash Bros., um, what did you think of the Game Awards overall? Did you watch any or catch up on some some of the announcements coming to other consoles? Or um, There's something, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not particularly convinced overall that it was very well-managed, I think. Like, um, there, there, there was, there was games there that absolutely deserved to be there, you know, like, um, including, including one that I'm about to talk about, but have my gripes with like The Last of Us 2. Um, but then you've got games like Hades and Animal Crossing and stuff like that. It was all there, but like Mm. some of it took home absolute jack shit. And, um, not that I'm salty about it because to be completely honest with you, it's an award show and I expect it, but how did Animal Crossing win pretty much nothing? You got a few things. You got um, Family Game. Yeah, Family which, Game, which is basically the Nintendo game of the year. Yes, at, at exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the last uh, six years, Nintendo's won it five times, I believe. Of so, course. So yeah. just because <laughs> that's all they do is make Family Games. Yeah. You know? It was only I think it was Overcooked uh, one or two. It must have been one, but uh, one at one year, and the rest has been Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so I um, I haven't. I like. I have no idea how that game didn't take home more though. Like with the the amount of copies sold, it's it's almost outsold Mario Kart. Mm. It's just one of those types of games where I just feel like these really high budget third person action games that have a really great story, they're going to prevail over just everything else, no matter what, because they just take the attention. I mean, I think so, but at the same time, like the amount of impact Animal Crossing has had this year is absolutely mental. Mm. You know, um, again. It, it, it is sort of just, it was the game that brought people together in a pandemic. Yeah. You know, it, it is, is hard though, because um, I absolutely loved The Last of Us Part 2 and I absolutely loved Animal Crossing as well, but I don't know how I can compare the two and be like, all right, this is my game of the year. Because um, The Last of Us, it, it left impact on me for like a month afterwards. I was thinking about it and I was, I never got around to replaying the game for the collectibles and the platinum trophy, but I really wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't have the time to get back to it. My um, my one problem with The Last of Us Two, and again, like you know, um, obviously this game has had hugely mixed reception since its uh, mm-hmm. release, um, and you know, I'm personally yeah not a big not a big fan in in a context like I played through a little bit of the first, but couldn't really get into the meat of it without getting bored too quickly. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, as good as it is that I suppose it may be won some things, I'm not sure I agree with um, one award it got in particular, was which was Best Direction. And I think a lot of people hold this as well. And the reason I say that is because the amount of crunch that the dev team was put under to get that game out. Mm, right, yeah. Out the door. Because uh, for a long time, um, Naughty Dog didn't actually have a producer. So that, they did for The Last of Us Part 2, I believe. But yeah, just like a studio that literally it doesn't... It was Neil Druckmann, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But like for, for a long time, they sort of operated in a development scene that didn't have a, a producer or someone just to point the, the project in a certain direction. So I guess that I guess that is a 
maybe a criticism. Like personally, I don't take the awards too seriously. I don't either. But um, so like you know, if the, if the Last of Us go um, takes away eight eight um, awards, I'm not too too worried about that. Especially since that is uh, one of my favorite games of the year. So I guess personally, that's why it doesn't <laughs> worry me too much. Probably. Um, <laughs> I I think I think the problem with it is is um, obviously it has been a very severe issue for a long time now um and it's become more in the spotlight recently that uh, developers um are suffering serious crunch in like completely different areas and it's showing um with naughty dog that it's becoming a common occurrence Mm. and it's um quite unfavorable in terms of how developers see things when a game like The Last of Us 2 takes home eight awards when the dev team was absolutely smashed and um, typically hating themselves by the end of it, by what what it seems, you know. Um, I'm sure they're happy that they managed to take around, like all those awards home um, for the amount of hard work they did, but for the health of the people that worked on it, I don't feel, you know, that was entirely the like the award for best direction i don't think that sort of fits the bill if you're making your staff go you know 20 hours straight working or you know Mm. stupid stuff like that not being able to go home and see the family and sleeping in the office overnight like there is there is there is a line drawn there yeah it is a little bit of a gray area because on one hand um just being crunching at work there's a lot more to life than work like we we all probably have certain times of the year where whatever industry we're in, whether it's your own business or you're working hospitality, whatever it is, there's just a certain times of the year where there is a lot of work to be done, and um, you're going to be putting lots of hours in. And when you're working at a place that is uh, as prestigious as a Naughty Dog, um, maybe you go on to your expect maybe your expectation is that you will be working a lot because you do want to make some of the the best quality content in the industry. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a hard thing to judge, especially when, like, we don't personally know people in there. I just, I just want to, I just want to, I guess, put the attention towards this is the problem that has been ongoing for many, 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 many years in Japan, which is what we call the salary man lifestyle. Yeah. Where people are working, you know, 50 plus hours a week and they're coming home pretty much eating and going to bed and then getting up in the morning, spending 12 hours a day at work. Like, I don't think that's an acceptable working condition, like, at all. Of course not, no. And especially as, you know, I'm, I'm not comparing myself, but working the three jobs that I'm working and trying to micromanage three different employees, uh, employers, rather, mm. you know, has been hard. And that that's hard enough for me just trying to fit in 40 hours a week and still get time with my kids and all that. Yeah. You know, and that's, and I feel like I'm missing out like on my kids' lives. So I can only imagine what like uh, people, people at Naughty Dog who have been working those 12, 14 hour days and then sleeping at the office just so they can get up early enough in the morning to keep going are missing out on at home. Mm. You know, there are, they are people with lives. And um, if they're being forced, you know, to sort of do that, and I mean, obviously they're still getting paid, they're still getting their benefits for, you know, doing it, obviously. Um, but for them to be working that hard sort of under the hammer to meet a date or, you know, you can get out sort of attitude, I don't think that's that's fair on them. And I don't think that constitutes a good direction uh, of, of the team 
in general. Um, so, like, I'm fine with it winning game of the year if that's if that's what you know what they've decided. I can't really, um, you know, go against that. That is really sort of mm. up up to the voters and up to the critics and like whoever sort of puts their input on that. But um, promoting that that was a that was a good choice and direction. Yeah, I mean, there there is also the aspect of the direction the actual game took, like. A lot of people um, liked it. A lot of people didn't like it. This, this is why the game is so div- divisive. And without spoilers, um, a lot of people were looking forward to um, more of The Last of Us Part 1 where you're Joel and Ellie. You've got that banter together. You're on an adventure. And people were really looking forward to just more of that. Yep. And the game took a direction that took it to a completely different place. Mm. And it was a very bold and risky move for such an expensive and AAA game to go in that direction. So maybe that's where the direction is going, rather than actually like the staff. Um, but I can Naughty Dog. But in in saying that as well, that also split the entire community of that series in half into a negative and a positive side. So how is that, you know, considered best direction if you've pissed off half your fan base? Don't know. Well, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. The game. But, well, you know, it's mostly a vote, so it won. It's mostly a vote, but it's ten percent viewers vote. Yeah. The rest of it is critics. So, you know, it yeah, is... And the, and the critics, you know, loved it. So And the critics... Well, yeah. yeah, I guess the critics loved it. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that are sort of just like, what about Hades? Like, Hades... I haven't played it yet. I'm very keen to play it, but I haven't got it yet. Um, Hades has been absolutely smashing it. There are people mm. that have put 80 plus hours into Hades and they're still not done. And it's, you know, on, on par with an indie game, obviously being from the guys that made Transistor and Bastion. Yeah, super giant. Yeah. Super giant. You know, um, and a lot of people have praised that game to all heaven and high hell, thinking it's, you know, the best game this year and stuff like that. But how many did that take home? I think two. Yeah, I don't have a... Yeah, I think it took yeah. home two awards. And then, like, everything else that it was up for nomination for was in the same category as Last of Us, and it took those, and Last of Us took those home. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, too. Like, I was thinking about, like, who I was going to vote for. I never actually got around to voting. I... I I wasn't too fast about it. So no, I, never, I didn't either. Never actually bothered. No. Um, but if I had to vote, it would have been either Animal Crossing or Last of Us Part 2, just um, <laughs> just depending how I felt that day, to be honest, because they're just such different games and they impacted me um, really differently throughout the year. One mm-hmm. one was like, I finished it and was like, holy shit. The other one, I'm just like, ah, oh, this is nice. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very different games. Yeah. Which yeah. I which I totally agree with. I, I just yeah I don't know. It just seems it's a very weird sway this year, and I think a lot of people. I know I do. I have noticed like a lot of people are just like this is fucking rigged, and I'm like, well, you know what? Uh, who gives a shit? It's the <laughs> game awards, but at the same time, it's just like yeah, I think um, maybe just that that one little tidbit pisses me off i think is just the amount of crunch that staff went through to make that game and you know they took home awards and that's probably a good thing for them but at the same time i hope it doesn't influence other developers to think that that's okay either mm. because that is not a healthy way to live and you know japan and it's very very high suicide rate is an attribution to that and considering how um i i think i think the western world is more more in touch with their way in how they deal with mental health and sort of stuff like that. But I also think as a um, side effect, we seem to 
suffer it like a fair bit as well. And we don't, um, in, in Japan, they're, they're very much about like bringing honor and pride to, you know, themselves and their family and stuff mm. like that. So they kind of just push themselves through it. Whereas the Western world, a lot of people just tend to sort of get swallowed up. And um, I feel like if we sort of headed in the same direction, we were living that crunch culture that uh, Japan were in the Western world that would probably see a very, very, very bleak uh, gaming industry if it sort of happened that way. Yeah. Need to look after ourselves, whether you're in the games industry or not. Just- oh, and employees need to look after their employees, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what company it was, but one company, uh, was it developers of... 80s. I don't know. It was someone, um, but uh, you know, they would force people to take days off. You know, they're just like, don't do a thing. Like seriously, get out the office and don't do a thing. Mm. Just do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about the game, and then come back on Monday. Cool. You know, sort of thing. Um, and that's that's sort of the attitude that needs to happen as we're going forward. And I think, like you know, it's also partly product of the pandemic. You know, with the pandemic and the way it's been this year, it's really. Um, sort of made uh, higher-ups sort of freak out and make want, make make them want to push things out the door to ensure that they've still got a cash flow going during this uh, whole thing and everything. And that's understandable, but, you know, humans are stu- still human. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah, sorry, it was a bit of, yeah, it a, bit of a, <laughs> it was a bit of a rant. I just, I just think it, it's just one thing that sort of it does peeve me. Like yeah, no, no, fair enough. Like it's been a big discussion this year, and a lot of people are, mm. you know, we're think, thinking about a lot more. It's a bit like um, the discussion about, you know, how your food is produced. It's kind of like that. It's like how are games produced? What are the conditions of the people uh, making them? And it's a, a discussion that's uh, worth having to yeah. ensure the industry is healthy and the people who enter it and have been in it for years can still produce the great content we we love i mean look at us we like every now and then we'll bring up we'll be like poor sakurai because that man <laughs> is under the same sort of hammer you know he's getting absolutely smashed and that man needs to take a break so, that's that, that's the how sort of crunch culture works like a lot of the people under sakurai they might look at him and say well he's the he's the head honcho here and he's working his ass off so mm. maybe i should be doing weekends and that as well mm. and then it sort of it trickles down but if you've got a leadership that wants to do that you know and they uh, i don't it could you know obviously we don't know the entire situation between no, that t- that team but you know i something tells me that that man is not an oppressor <laughs> like at all he's he's sort of like he wants to get things done but he's not he's not about to you know, completely tire out people. Because when you hear about him outside of work, like even with uh, Toby Fox and stuff like that, going around to play Smash at his house and like all, the, all those nice things and like yeah. going out to the bar with his employees and having a drink. And he seems like a nice dude. It, it, it's funny, like all of the um, character announcements that happened at his house. Mm. There was like a, a few discussions going around. He's like, oh, I can't wait for the Sephiroth uh, sort of presentation. See if you see how much his house has changed. <laughs> and then like boot up the video and it's just him being like, all right, we've rented the place. You're probably sick of my house. What? No, no, no. We love your house, man. <laughs> like, go back to your house. Go back to your house. You got, you got, a, you got a PS5? You know what? <laughs> Pour yourself a drink while you're at your house and talk to us about the next character. <laughs> just drunk as shit. Just like trying to So fuck it. I can't do a thing here, boys. Sephiroth. Has a big sword. Oh, he's such a big sword. <laughs> oh, it's really big. Who's got the biggest sword in the game? <laughs> but yeah, like there's a difference between there's a difference between like if the boss is really hard working and they're really smashing it out and the employees are inspired to keep working. That's a whole different thing. 
but like with somebody that's like at the top and going do the work and then you know people feel oppressed there there is a difference in in that yeah 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 and i feel like um uh from what from what i understand of the situation it seems like more of the latter because of the way people are sort of coming out and talking about how they've been crunched and you know it's not been good no yeah so, I guess that's the Game Awards. So, let's move on to Sephiroth, which was the very first announcement or thing that was shown at the, the Game Awards. Jeff Keighley threw it over to the Smash Bros. trailer. And, uh, yes, we got Sephiroth, the, the villain from Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation back in 1998 or seven. It was seven, wasn't it? 97, the game came out on I the original PlayStation? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Sorry if I'm wrong, but, you know, I wasn't playing PlayStation or Final Fantasy back then, so yeah, yeah. do forgive me. Um <laughs> But Bryce, we'll, we'll jump straight into you. You, you. You've put some uh, posts up on Twitter just experimenting with uh, percentages and moves mm-hmm. and stuff. So what do you think of the character and some of the his uh, brand new moveset and his uh, little gimmick he's got with his uh, black angel? His one wing angel. One wing angel. Yeah, because he's got one wing, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's what he is. It's a one wing angel. Um, it's not very useful, is it? Well, yeah, you know, it, it gives him a third jump. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Third leg, third jump. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he gets it, he can have, you know, another short hop on top of his other hop. So, yeah, you know, that's not bad. Um, he's he's good. Uh, he is sort of. I, I feel like I feel like the best way to describe him is he's got that oomph to him that Ike has when you know yeah. you sort of hit things, but it's sort of in the mid range between that and a regular sword user like Link or whatever. It they've got a bit more of a a time time to like a time difference between hitting you know sort of uh and ex- executing the actual move itself um he's you know relatively basic in some ways uh in in how he plays like you you feel like with your a moves and stuff like that it's all pretty much going to go how it goes he's got a mid-air downward thrust you know a la link and cloud himself except um I guess I guess the ba- best way to put it in uh, that context is that some of the moves he has are sort of reminiscent to what Cloud does for very simple reasons, and, um, and that's all sort of law related. But given that he has a, a much different sword, uh, you know, some of like his reach and stuff like that's a bit better. Um, uh, but uh, some of the stuff that he executes is actually quite similar to, similar to Cloud, but um, with Different effects, much much how how clones typically work, I suppose. Mm. Um, I wouldn't entirely call him a clone. Obviously, there's there's a lot more to him, and he has his own systems in comparison to Cloud. Uh, Cloud obviously has limit breaks, um, and Sephiroth has one wing angel mode uh, and a pretty decent ranged move pool. I'd like to say um, more effective than Cloud's only ranged option, which is Braver. Uh, or wind slash or whatever you want to call it, um, uh, and overall, I think he's think he's quite fun. Um, I don't know how viable he is for sort of like tech and stuff like that, but in terms of you know sort of the offering that we've gotten from him, um, the absolute sheer power that he exerts with that fully charged Giga Flare, mm. where he's sort of just like. <laughs> just I, I have to I have to use my other one because my other one I can't click with that one. Like at all. Your right hand. Yeah. See, I'm left that, hand, I'm left handed and I can't click with my left hand. I'm right handed. I can't click with my right hand. That's my left hand. Yeah. And this is my right hand. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. We need to swap arms. <laughs> 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 um so 
uh, you know, just using that move is just sort of satisfying because it's just like this little blip of light into this massive explosion. You're just like, holy crap. Um, uh, and I think I think the general the general thing with him is he's not too complicated, which is which is great. Um, he has a lot of potential for building up a lot of damage in sort of one sort of consecutive amount of time. As I sort of put up on Twitter, you can go from um, 10.5 to uh, 10.5% to 124% if executing um, specific things at the same time. It's very rare that you could manage that, but, you know, you could more than potentially KO a person in one hit. Yeah, so you put that up that video on Twitter. Mm. Um, how many times did it take you to pull it off? Did you just do it straight away or did you fail it, it a couple it, of times? It took me a couple of attempts. And the reason it took me a couple of attempts is because... Um, uh, <laughs> I was playing on single Joy-Con for one. Um, I because I just set it, uh, well, I just I just set a second a second controller there because I'm like I'm curious how as mm. how to make it happen. Obviously, it's like a very rare scenario that you're ever going to pull something off like it. But it just it it, it sort of just sort of just shows how much power the the actual character has. Um, but as as people sort of know, I suppose uh, Smash has really become about stringing stringing things. More than anything else, you know, in terms of in terms of a fighting game, yeah. Um, so stringing together things to keep the enemy knocked and stunned, and constantly building damage until you get to a point where you're like, "Yep, cool, it's time to knock out." Um, <laughs> it's time to go. I just I just don't know whether Sephiroth has any reliable string sort of executions. I guess uh, because he attacks so slow, it does leave. Um, time for invulnerability it's the same sort of uh similarity as i you have to pre-plan a lot of what you're going to do and predict mm. um i would imagine especially if you're on an online match or something like that where you know it's already sort of a game about pre-prediction yeah um, i mean like his smash attacks for example though they do have the armor where if you've uh, if you've charged up and you're halfway through a, your attack you can't be interrupted that's only during one wind angel though um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So during one wing angel, if you're charging a smash attack, you get super armor, and it's unbreakable super armor, I think. Mm. Um, so that's great, uh, but you do need to be in one wing angel uh, to achieve that. And the only times you get one wing angel will ultimately depend on how far ahead or behind you are of your opponent. Um, and then once you've killed somebody with it, it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice little thing, and it's probably, um, you know, uh, a good little gimmick for him. Uh, sort of just because that character demands so much of like, you know, that that's sort of like invincible anime and <laughs> anime enemy energy. Yeah, that's a lot to say. <laughs> anime enemy energy. <laughs> um, anime enemy energy. Um, uh, he he does he does really command that, and he always has commanded that as a character. And, and I do I do commend um, Sakurai and the team for sort of really making him feel like that sort of brooding sense of dread and evil, uh, yet being cool, calm, and collected vibe that he has in general. Mm. Um, I think that's uh, really well translated in in the game and stuff like Giga Flare, as per mentioned, and uh, how One Wing Angel operates really does sort of attribute to you know his character overall, and I think that's good. Yeah, and it's just like it's just really cool that we do have um 
I guess uh, the first, like you said earlier, the first th- uh, third-party villain to be in Super Smash Bros. through mm. the DLC. Yeah. So that, that's that's uh, you know really neat and um, first like I I think it's I reckon it's a great get for Super Smash Bros. Um, playing like the hour or so that I played, I don't know if I'll put him into like my favorite <coughs> character slot anytime soon, but he's definitely cool and it's uh, it'll be fun to muck around with. Um, but so, sort of, what do you think about having him in the game in general? Like, I um, the announcement from Nintendo America's Twitter, just going through the comments, a lot of people, uh, like the day of, were saying like, "Who the hell is this? Oh God, it's another anime sword fighter." You know, just like your typical stuff you'll you'll probably see from a lot of people when it is like just a guy with a sword. And I guess you know that is a fair point. You know, there's lots of Fire Emblem characters and Zelda characters in that they are Japanese characters with swords. I guess. Mm. But how do you sort of feel about that? I mean, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I, play, I play sword characters, so I don't really don't care. Mm. Like a lot of people are sort of like, oh, it's another sword character. It's like, okay, so what do you want next? It's like, I want a gun character. It's like, <laughs> yeah. cool. You know, it's like, what do I want? What do, you, what do you want? It's like, I want a fist character. And then you like look at the amount of sword characters and fist characters and realize, you know, there's more unarmed fighters than there is sword fighters. Yeah. And then you're like. It's like um, it's like when we're playing PlayStation um, All Stars. It's like Nathan Drake versus Dante. It's like just, <laughs> just shooting each other from the other side of the map. Yeah, it's like that was pretty funny. The like, guy, oh, yes, gun characters. So you know, no, sword sword characters. I guess really, you can sort of uh, you can make that a complaint, but they just work really well for Smash Bros. They, they do, yeah. And like, I think any character works well for Smash Bros. And like, you can sort of talk about it and you're like, oh, they have too much reach or whatever, and. Like all that shit. And if you don't like that, well, you just have to learn to work around it. Mm. A lot of people also are confused about who Sephiroth was mm. just for, you know, the game came out a long time ago and uh, it not it not coming to Nintendo platforms until until the Switch, Final Fantasy VII. So, you know, a lot of Nintendo fans who might have been playing Smash Bros. since 64, GameCube, Wii, etc. Um, might not have played this game, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think the conclusion we come to before the show is that a lot of the people that ma- that are making those comments are sort of uh in the age group um where they were sort of born in the early millennium. So, yeah, 2002 to 2010 or whatever. Um and uh basically that's sort of just fallen out of the timeline where Final Fantasy VII really had its hurrah, obviously, in the late 90s um, and even the, the very minor 2000s, I suppose. But, like, back in the day... God, I don't know why I say that phrase. I hate that phrase so much. Back in the day... Back in the day! You're 27 years old. Oh, no. But <laughs> I, back- tr- I try to avoid it because I'm like, there's someone in the mid-30s... 30s and, listening. And, and there's like- someone in their 40s. There's someone in their 50s. And they're just like, what the fuck? You're literally half the age yeah, of me. Exactly. What do you mean back in back the day? In the day. <laughs> back in the 90s. All right, let's put it that way. Back yeah. in the 90s, when the internet was new and everything was fresh... You would you would get on the computer and you would jump on fan sites and stuff like that, and there would always be some guy with like a Final Fantasy VII avatar. It'd be like Sephiroth or Cloud or whatever, and there would always be discussions about the game, and it was always constantly going. And Final Fantasy VII was such a huge success that it sort of blew out the door, and the while the internet was sort of new and brand new to most people, um, that's that's where it really thrived, and that's why um. And I mentioned to you earlier, I knew everything about Final Fantasy VII before I had even touched the game. Um, 
because it was that talked about and considered the best game of all time by many people. And, you know, it was, again, that was a product of the 90s. That's sort of how it happened. Um, and as as time went for Final Fantasy VII, it had a lot of media, like you had Advent Children sort of happen, which is the movie, and you've had manga and uh, pseudo-anime adaptation stuff and about 10-plus Final Fantasy VII games, mm. um, you know, and that all happened within a short space of time uh, before now, um, where we have Final Fantasy VII Remake and um, for the people who weren't interested in playing it anyway and never played it and, you know, sort of whatever, because really it was made for a nostalgia-driven trip um, in some ways, a uh, way, to, way to tell Final Fantasy VII again. Um, there, there are a lot of people sort of in that early 2000s bracket that never really got to experience any of that, whereas, you know, people like you and me who are 20-plus years old sort of did did somewhat live through that. And we experienced early internet days and the talk about Final Fantasy and... Yeah, I mean, you know, I was... How old was I when the game came out? Like four, five years old? So... <laughs> think about it. Think about it like 2006 or so, like when Final Fantasy thirteen came out. Did anybody really give a shit? Like at that point? Final Fantasy um, at that point... Um, Final Fantasy Thirteen was supposed to be the turnaround in the game. Like the series was supposed to come back. Yeah, because twelve had happened, twelve had gone. Twelve was considered a pretty good game, um, and it was it was good and everything. But uh, then thirteen came. Thirteen was coming. It had all this hype behind it. It went to crap, um, and that was about two thousand six, two thousand seven. And the next games to come out of that were Final Fantasy Thirteen sequels, which nobody cared about because nobody liked the first one. Mm. So. There was that, and they all ran on the Crystal Engine, which everybody hated, and um, it just they weren't they weren't great games, and it didn't really come back until Final Fantasy uh, fourteen um, got relaunched because that was also a commercial failure because it used the same engine as Final Fantasy thirteen, but it was worse by mm. every margin. Um, and then Final Fantasy fourteen came around. That got re-released um, after shutting down. It got re-released uh, to 2.0 and that gained commercial success. And now it's fighting for WoW for top MMO. Um, and Final Fantasy uh, fifteen um, was also supposed to be another versus... Was supposed to be another 13 title. Um, didn't turn out that way. Came out after 10 years of delays or something. Some shit like that, and everybody was everybody was disappointed in it. I personally loved it. I thought it was a brilliant little uh, story about the bros going on a car trip, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so there there has been a massive blank point between the years of like 2006 to 2016, where the game had, like the the series in general had really really suffered, and people had pretty much given up on it, except for maybe 14, which was the only real commercial success. Um, for the for the series, really, um, mm. up until that point, it's it's a surprise they almost didn't throw on the towel with Final Fantasy there, to be honest. Yeah, well, I guess it's one it's one of the bigger series, so they're not going to let it die too easily. Yeah, but it took them ten years to get it on track, you know, and um, hopefully, um, those 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 people who might be concerned about uh, sixteen, um, uh. I, I sort of, I sort of do want to put it out there that um, don't be, don't be concerned and don't be afraid uh, because <laughs> Nagi Yoshida 
is is directing that game. And that man brought Final Fantasy XIV back from the dead to what it is today. So I'm expecting 16 to be a very nice game, and I'm glad it's coming to PC because I don't have PS5. <laughs> so um, I'm very keen to play that game, and I think it's going to be going to be a very good game. Mm. I mean, um, just from the announcement trailer, it looks, looks it pretty looks neat. Dope. Yeah. It looks really good. Mm. Um, so, you know, um, there there is there is that point in time for over a decade even to some deg- degree, <laughs> sorry, where um, <laughs> Final Fantasy really became something quite irrelevant and nobody talked about it. And that's when a lot of those kids in the early 2000s, anywhere from, again, what was it? What did I say? Like 2002, 2010, where it wasn't being talked about. And the only thing people had to say about it was bad shit. So they didn't even look at it, Mm. you know, or just replaying like the older titles. Well, yeah, but like, you know, because, because the current game at the time had the astigmatism of God, this is trash. A kid wouldn't go, Ah, that maybe I'll play the older games to see how they would go. They'd just hear Final Fantasy is trash, and then be like, "Okay, <laughs> okay, throw it out the window." So, also, just uh, this is a bit of a talking point too about the the me costume. So, um, Final Fantasy VII gets uh, also some more characters as me costumes. So you got Barrett, Tifa, and a Chocobo hat. So very exciting stuff there. But the I guess the thing that. Uh, a lot of Nintendo fans are talking about is the inclusion of a Gino Mead costume. <laughs> so Gino is a character a lot of people really want from Super Mario RPG, also made by uh, Square Enix uh, back on the Super Nintendo. And uh, its inclusion as a Mead costume means that it will not be a character, much like a um, Travis touchdown on the last DLC drop where a lot of people were like, oh, well, guess uh, guess he's not coming. No. So, yeah, I think uh, Bryce and I, we, we both fall in the camp of, Oh well, because <laughs> when, when when you when you're reaching out to Square Enix, you're going to take a Final Fantasy character, or you're going to take Gino. Mm. I know, I know, you are, there are a lot of or Sora, but there's a whole Disney behind that too. Yeah, so it gets a bit complicated there. But I know, like a lot of people won't like us saying that, being like, "Oh, come on, Gino, he's he's, he's actually a, a character from you know a Nintendo franchise, I guess, because even though it's not made by Nintendo necessarily, it yeah. is it is a Mario character." Um, but I guess it's just you know we were saying before how we are uh, think uh, Mallow should be should be in the game instead <laughs> just to piss people off. <laughs> Sakur- you know, Sakurai's not much of a troll though, so he, he's not. No. But the, again, the thing is, is like um, I I really enjoy that game. I think I think it was the good stepping stone for Mario RPGs, and I think everybody can agree with that. Um, and I like Gino as a character, but guys. If you've got people in 2020 saying, who the fuck is this anime swordsman to Sephiroth? <laughs> who the fuck are they going to think when they put Gino in the game apart from, oh, that's the guy from We Want Him in Smash memes. Like, they're not they're not remembering the same Gino you're remembering. They're remembering him from your whinging that he's not in there. Mm. You know, there is there is a real big sort of discrepancy there. Yeah. Oh, well, he'll, he'll fit nicely in the, uh, I guess, in the Ridley camp. Where it's like, oh, you know, Ridley will never come. But in the next Smash Bros. He probably di- will. <laughs> whether it's directed by uh, Sakurai or whatever. We'll see if Gino makes it in there. Like, I, I do, oh, I, and I'd be happy to see him in there. Gino's a cool character. If he got announced one day, I'll be like, oh, sweet. That'll yeah. make people, that'll make a very small amount of people happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the problem. Small amount of people mm. happy. And then the people that sort of have sort of jumped onto the camp are people that are just like, oh, I guess I'll check out. Super Mario RPG, they played it and they've enjoyed it and they're like, all right, now I'm mm. part of the crowd and everything. 
but a lot of the way, a lot of the things it's the same thing as Ridley I think is there's a lot of people people are going to be like oh, I remember him from the memes Ah, oh, Ridley's too big. Oh, Gino's too square enix. He's <laughs> <laughs> too square enix. <laughs> uh, yeah. But just on the last point for the DLC, it is getting to the point now where, like, every character that gets announced, whether it's Sephiroth or Minecraft Steve or whatever, I'm just like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Get added to the game. I play them and they'll either click with me or they won't because with the amount of characters in Smash Bros. Ultimate, I've got like 20 characters which, which are like, these are my characters, I like them. Mm. Then there's like another 15 where I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll play them. I know how to use them. They're fun to play. Yep. But then there's still like 50 more characters after that where I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't touch them as much. Like yeah. there's, just, there's so many. Mm. So it, like these these uh, characters really need to click with me now to be like, all right, this is a fun character I want to actually use. Which for the last, um, out of all the DLC characters, has only been Byleth really for me. Well, I was, I was excited to see Min Min from ARMS and all the other characters, but they're just, um, there's so many to choose from where I don't pick them all the time. Are you attributing that to maybe though that um, if, you, if you put a little bit more time into them? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Here, here is the question I'm going to pose. Pose it to me, man. Out of all the DLC characters that are out so far, and I believe there's still three remaining to go, right? Uh, three or two? Three or two. How many have there been? There's been Min Min. Min Min, Steve, Sephiroth. Is that it? I think that's yeah, it. So if that's it, then yes. There's three more to go, right? Yeah, yeah. there's six all up. So out of, the, out of the ones that have released all the way up from uh, Joker, to, Joker to Sephiroth, right? Mm. If you were to practice any of those characters, right, and you were like, ah, you know what? This is the one I'm going to practice to, to really try and get a hang on them. What one out of those would it be that's not Byleth, obviously? Mm-hmm. Probably, I don't know. I think Min Min's um, shouting out to me because because I really did like arms. I love how they brought the arms mechanics into Smash Bros. With the being able to use the both the unique arms with A and B. I think that was really awesome. Yeah. And like when I close my eyes and I think about that game in Smash Bros., I I wanted it to be like that, where you're using the um, the controls to control Min Min like that. So I'll probably say Min Min, and it probably after Bylov, maybe she is the character I, I have used the second most. Second and most? Yeah. Okay, have you got a third then? You might as well make it three for three if you've got two. Yeah, absolutely. So who we got? So there's Joker. Um, Joker. There's a lot of, um, I think um, Steve. I don't know. I don't necessarily think I would want to learn him necessarily, but I think it's just so unique compared to the, all the other ones. And um, you can really catch people off guard just with how weird it is. And like, I I think at this stage, unless you're like, you're really into Smash Bros playing every day still, which should certainly be a lot of people out there doing that. But like, if, if I was up against a Steve at the moment, they'll be able to catch me off guard just so easily, I feel, because it's just like so Even much going CPUs on. CPUs do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> I lost to a Steve. <laughs> I lost to a Steve CPU because mm. I'm just so fucking confused about him. And to be honest with you, I, that is the character I, I hold the mo- the least interest in out of all of them. And that, that is that is uh, probably saying something considering that I was more interested in Terry and played it a fuck ton of Terry but had never played King of Fighters see, game. See, Terry's really cool. Um, Terry's like, good. <laughs> and that, that King of Fighters stage is awesome. It's dope. Where it's like you've got to like really smash them through that wall Yeah, because they just bounce off it if it's just like a half-hearted hit. Yeah. So that that is an absolutely amazing stage, and that's the thing with this DLC too. Like, um, we think about the characters most of all, but just the stages and the music and the 
even the uh, I guess the micro transactions for the meat costumes, all that being added together is really making a really awesome package yeah. coming out. So I think it's just that it is regardless of um, whether we play these characters, it is fun just in the conversation of the Smash Bros community and people that um, keep playing those games. So yeah, you know, as, as met, I'll honestly buy as many passes as they release. <laughs> like whether I, whether I'm even playing them that much. I'll buy I'll buy the game uh, ported to the next console. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, honestly, like it, it's you know I I I do believe that um, backwards compatibility would be nice. So I can just download it, but I'll buy it again probably as well. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, but we know uh, we know that won't happen. Um, <clears throat> we uh, like between us, you know, we played we we played a lot of brawl together, and that's like in the hundreds of hours camp. That's that's what we did. Right, um, we were enjoying Wii U. Oh yeah, Wii U was a great game. Like, like it was mm. a fantastic game. You personally feel this one's a bit weaker, right? Uh, well, n- not not necessarily. I just miss some of this the the fun modes that were in the Wii U version. Yeah, okay. obviously characters, mechanics, presentation, uh, single player story, all hundred percent better. Yeah, <laughs> the game is way like hundred percent better, and even like the small things where it's like the last kill for the match and it just like slows down, just adds, it makes watching the game that much better and just that feeling of like seeing it happen. Mm. And if you're on the other side of getting smashed, you know you know it's over. But sometimes there is that instance where it's not over and you do make it back. Yeah. And the other person's like, oh, come on, what the fuck? <laughs> well, that's happened so many times. Like yeah. there's a lot of small things and just seeing like that, even like you look at the games, it's, it's the same graphics as the same engine, but just like the differences in animation and that between even like Mario and that, like when I first saw Mario in action in Smash Ultimate and I played a lot of Mario and Wii U, there was a lot of differences between the two characters mm. just in the way they were animated. So no, I don't think um, the Wii U version is better than Ultimate. No way. Okay. But th- there were just some things where I just missed like, you know, the trophies and just some small things like that. Yep. And um, and there were just some small changes they made to like Zero Suit Samus and a couple of characters. Um, Pokemon, oh, yeah. Po- uh, Pokemon Trainer where... Um, it wasn't just Charizard anymore. Charizard was my my character, but then they brought Pokemon Trainer back and made Charizard worse. Yeah. So stuff like, like there's like little gripes like that, which like annoyed me. Zero but, Suit Samus is the thing that annoys me the most because they removed every single combo potential I had for. Her. Yeah. And now she just feels like shit to play. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of a uh, lot more good things other than that. So, uh, what? Before we move into the news, because we're already fifty minutes in, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> so, what what were uh, some of the characters uh, out of the DLC packs you're personally keen to get into? Well, I've played all of them really, except yeah, yeah, for Steve. Yeah. I'm like, I I don't, I I genuinely don't really have an interest of playing Steve at all. I think there's too much packed into that character for me to care. Um, I'd rather just learn what his little nicheities are and just move on. Um, the ones I sort of focused on most throughout my time so far have been uh, Banjo, probably Terry. Uh, what else? Banjo, Terry, and there was one more. Did you get into Joker much? No, I didn't. And um, I think the reason I didn't get into Joker much is because he, especially at the time he came out, there was a lot of tech to him and... Um, to like to sort of play him really effectively. Um, he's definitely fun to fun to play. I like fast characters, and I like mm. you know those sort of like 
not 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 quite like fox paced characters, but sort of just above that. So like Sheik or you know, mm. whatever. I, I do enjoy those characters. Just unfortunately, at the time, his his tech was a bit too complicated for me to figure out. Um, but uh, Banjo was simple enough, and he's exactly what I wanted him to be, and came out as exactly what I wanted him to be. Was just this goofy character with all these moves that I knew, and was fantastic. His reveal trailer was the best. I loved it so much. Um, Terry was a big surprise for me because. Typically, I don't have, like, a big affinity for Street Fighter and games like Street Fighter. Um, I play them and, like, I have a bit of fun with them, but it's just something about the whole, like, beefy fighter man punches other beefy fighter man that I'm not entirely into. Um, But Terry is awesome. And I think um, reading, like, it has sparked my general interest for that series. Yeah. Um, Just playing him. I think it was especially eye-opening just um, Sakurai's presentation about... Just got just got like a huge history lesson on the whole series. Yeah, and you know, like his his in depth character is huge, and I think that's really awesome. Just like this is the move from this very specific instance in like the second game or yeah. whatever it is. But there was he no really cared about that character. It's like there was no crouch or whatever. So we implemented this from this certain thing, and so like, holy crap, yeah. really interesting. Yeah, he was really into it, and I loved the amount of passion that he had for it. And um, I was like, yeah, like I'll, I'll give him a crack, and I loved him. And I, I th- like he's the character that I wanted Ken Ryu to be. I feel like he does things very similar, but just enough different that he doesn't feel as blocky, I guess, as those two do. He feels a bit more free flowing. Because mm. yeah, when I played Street Fighter and stuff, when I was used to <laughs> something is like fast and open as smash bros yeah. you just feel like you're like oh just move backwards please yeah exactly. he's just like hopping backwards it's like oh. yeah. <laughs> um what else there, there has to be one more in there jesus who was in the first pass joker banjo hero byleth what's the last one piranha plant i love piranha plant actually if we include him I actually, he's actually one of my he would be in like my second tier of characters, which I really enjoy. So I guess I could include him. But who was the fifth in that pass? Because there was five in that, wasn't there? Or was there only four? Yeah, there's five, but there was six with Prana Plant, I believe. Who was the last one? Oh, I don't know. Might have to might have to move on, Bryce. We've got to we got to get going. You've got to get to work. God damn it! <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So Banjo Terry, and at this point, probably Sephiroth. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I'm uh, not looking forward to you getting good at Sephiroth. He's, he's a scary man. He's fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, Bryce, let's uh, move on to some news. We'll get through this uh, at a nice brift. 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 <laughs> we'll get it a brift. Brift. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. My body is still so this week, Bryce, we got a Nintendo Direct, but it featured no games. And it was, oh, oh my God, what, are, what did they talk about then? What did they talk about if Nintendo didn't talk oh. about games? He just hurt, slapped his own face and it hurt him. Yeah, because I hit a weak point. <laughs> a weak point. Uh, Ow. Your whole face is a weak point. That's why people punch each other in the face. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto gave us a bit of a tour around Super, uh, yeah, Super Nintendo World. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about this uh, nice and nice and quickly, Bryce. But uh, when um, the uh, I guess uh, opening date got announced, it'll be early 2021. Um, we were really keen to go, 
Yeah. And this will hopefully be a, a bit of a bit of a holiday for us once coronavirus and all of this stuff is lifted. And um, just to, some some of the takeaways from this is just like how just intricate and uh, just all. It is kind of weird how it is called um, Nintendo World, but it's all Mario focused, which is like you know Mario is the you know the franchise for Nintendo, but it will be cool to see see it expanded in the future and all that. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see mm. you know Zelda and Pokemon attached to it. And- yeah, oh my god, but just like going through the lobby and it being Peach's Castle with uh, the Mario sixty four um, castle theme playing, and you're moving on and you're going at like with like the mobile app being applied to things you're doing in the park and earning coins and the whole place just being gamified. Uh, just it's like for anyone listening to this podcast who is a huge Nintendo fan, I think it would just be unreal to go to this place. And um, when we were going through the video, we saw like the merch section where uh, Miyamoto was showing off some of the merch and you mentioned like, oh, I didn't even think about merch, but I reckon if when I go to this place, I'm going to come away with just like bags of it. <laughs> Like it's it's gonna be it's, it's Nintendo product at a Nintendo theme park. It's gonna be so expensive. You could just imagine how much they're gonna charge for this stuff. But um, when we go to this place, we'll make sure we have some savings and we can get some silly little plastic toys of uh, Mario. <laughs> like they they've got a, a Mario toy where you sort of like run it along and it walks by himself without actually. And it does mention that it doesn't uh, need any batteries, which is a cool little mechanical toy, as well as just like sort of a. Uh, a Mario pipe with Mario coming out of it and just the logo of Super Nintendo World on the pipe too, which would be a nice little display thing for all my other Nintendo knick-knack yeah, stuff. Paddywhack. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Anything Anything else you want to point out for the theme park? I don't want to talk too much. It's pretty easy. Just go and check it out on YouTube. It, it looks so, so very realistic, like lifelike looking. And I think that's friggin' awesome. They obviously put a lot of uh, work and time and detail into it, and I'm very keen to actually see it in real life, mm. like right in front of me. I'm very keen to see it. Yeah, and, and it's um, Miyamoto mentioned at the end of the video that it is uh, more theme parks are opening up in other places around the world, mm. which is going to be cool. Not in Australia as of yet. Oh, it would be nice if it comes to Adelaide and we can sort of live there and record every episode um, from Nintendo World. But that'll be yeah, yeah. Yeah, live in one of those big question blocks. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Have a House of Mario attraction and we just mm. live there. Mm. <laughs> uh, so up next is a, an indie world that happened uh, a week or so ago and a bunch of uh, indie games were announced. So we'll go through some of the indie games uh, quickly, um, just what we think of them and all that stuff. But uh, the biggest one by far was Among Us is now out on Nintendo Switch, which is cool. One of the biggest games of the year that actually came out in 2018, but <laughs> yeah, came to yeah. notoriety in 2020 because of uh, Twitch streamers and just the, the need to communicate and play with friends over video games. Very similar to maybe how Animal Crossing becomes so popular as well. Did you catch my post on that last night? I did. So you yeah. talked about... Um, you, you picked it up on Switch. I picked it up on Switch. And... Yeah. Um, you said you were affected by cheaters. My God. Like, mm. I, I played it when it was sort of at its high, right? And it was really fun, and I played it with friends, and it was great. And I also played public lobbies, and public lobbies were fine. Mm. Um, but obviously, uh, I, I, was, I sort of just installed it last night. and thought, yeah, I'll jump for a couple of matches among us. I love that game. Um, played it for about an hour. And I think just about every... every I, I had a, 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 a cheat clean match maybe every four matches. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what the fuck. Ha- why do why do people feel the need to cheat in something like Among Us, where the whole point of the game is to 
you know, th- there's no ranking leaderboards or anything. Like, you yeah, know. So, yeah, that is a real weird thing. It's kind of like having some mates over. And like, oh, let's play some Scrabble. And you got like some some bloke who's just got like a, just like all of the letters in his pocket or something. He's like, I win. It's like, good for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, like, it's not like Call of Duty where it's like, I've prestiged. And you're like, oh, that's awesome, man. It's like, I actually cheated. Or Pokemon where it's like, I've got all these rare Pokemon. I actually hacked them. It's yeah. just like, it's like, like, oh, I yeah, won in Among Us. Yeah. I walked through a wall and killed someone. It's like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, that, that did confuse me as well. There, there was one guy, and there was one glitch, uh, one glitch, one cheat, uh, rather, where um, as soon as the match started, the lights were turned off. So we had to go and fix the lights. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? So we went all the way to turn the lights on. We went to the light panel and the switches were consistently switching on and off so you couldn't correct them. Like, there was no possible way it, right. it could have been anything else. So, it's just like, you lose. Yeah, you would, it, was, uh-huh. it was basically just like, your lights are off, so now somebody's just going to run around and kill anyone, like everyone when you can't see them. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, so... Like, why? Hopefully, the the, the hopefully the developers get onto the, the cheating scene and put put a stop onto that. But it is cool this is out on Switch, so it's not, it's not out on Xbox or PlayStation. Yeah. So this is like, I guess, a console exclusive for the time being, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. It's relatively- It'll probably remain that way, to be honest. Because mm. it's, it's obviously out on mobile for free. Um, there's ads and uh, PC. It's actually out on Xbox Game Pass on PC now as well. So yeah. um, you can just jump on there. And it's un- it's under it's a bit under $7 on Switch. It's five bucks in general anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might as well just go buy it, guys. Support um, them. They're good. They're good. The, the only uh, sort of thing I was thinking about is obviously this game is- uh, communication is 100% necessary. Um, when you were playing it, were you relying on Discord or anything? Or you were no, just, no, 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 text chat. Just text chat? It, it's got it's got text chat in, built in the game. Um, and how do you find that on the Switch when you've been playing? Oh, it? you press press the old button and then you just go... Do it quickly, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but it is, it is 100% better played over voice. So if you've got a group of friends, it's the best way to do it. Um, but you can just jump in public matches and play like that. It's not a big deal. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so I said, they have they have revolutionised the controls a bit because you could not play with a controller before. Mm. Switch version you can play with controls. Yeah, they, awesome. they, they've figured out a way to do it. So oh, that's sweet. good. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's really cool. I'll be picking it up. I actually, I actually haven't played it. I've just been watching let's plays of it. You can you can go download it on your phone right now. It's free. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I'll I'll pick it up on Switch because I'd prefer just to play it on my Switch. Mm. But yeah, no, that's really cool. Really looking forward to playing it. Um, another game that was announced is uh, Grindstone, which uh, was a launch game for Apple Arcade. Obviously, exclusive rights have ended for that, so that's a, a cool little puzzle game which uh, had a, a lot of um, a lot of uh, good stuff going around it at the time when it was on Apple Arcade. So pretty cool that it's out. Uh, Calico um, is also out by Peachy Keen Games. Um, what else was announced? Uh, when the Past Was Around, which also looks cool. Uh, this is a story. Uh, uh, Edgar, a girl in the early 20s, like anyone at her age, she's lost. Uh, she lost her way in the journey to achieve her dreams. And when she lost her way in the journey to find love, until that, she met an owl. <laughs> so there's, there's like a lot, a lot of these games, like they're like very story based. And, um, you know, I probably won't get around to them, but they, they a lot of them have intrigued me. Um, Spelunky 1 and 2 are coming to the Switch uh, winter 2021, which I assume is. No, no, this is Vooks, so it is Australian, so it will be winter, our time. Very cool. Um, the, the one that I'm most excited for is Super Meat Boy Forever, which is coming out on December 23rd, which is uh, actually a console um, launch exclusive, and it's an uh, Epic, Epic Game 
um, exclusive on PC as well, not coming to Steam for six months after that. But um, finally, uh, a sequel to Super Meat Boy. Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been ten years <laughs> since the last Super Meat Boy. But you've been waiting for that one. I have been. It's not like it's not like something I'm like really itching for, and I'm not hundred percent. Sh- this game looks more like an endless runner type of uh, setup as well. But I'll I'll sort of read the sort of uh, synopsis here for the game. So the highly anticipated sequel to Super Meat Boy has arrived almost uh, in Super Meat Boy Forever. Meat Boy and Bandage Girl's uh, adorable baby girl Nugget has been kidnapped. You'll get through the grinder as you jump, slide, punch, and kick through several worlds containing thousands of hand. Uh, constructed levels that are randomly uh, smashed together to create a unique gameplay experience with each save game. With bosses, secrets, dying, awesome music, vibrant art, and even more dying, prepare to face some intense challenges. So, you know, it is very, you know, very different setup, I guess, compared to the first game where the first game, it is very much about wall jumping and very um, precise jumping to actually, you know, get to the end, get to Bandage Girl when you finish that level. Whereas this one actually has like sliding, punching, a lot more sort of um, into the mechanics of it. And it's interesting too that like it's all sort of, um, I guess, procedural with every uh, game you play as well. Yeah. So interesting as well. Um, Cyber Shadow, which is coming out on January 26th, uh, which looks pretty cool. I won't go through all of these, but um, yeah, if you're interested, go and check out the Indie World video. And if you've already seen it, very cool. Let us know what are some of your favorite announcements were. Always love these things, like just um, having stuff shown to me and be like, yeah, that like, there's always like one game where I'm like, all right, that one is on my radar as well. Yeah. Um. So this one's by Polygon, and it's an interview with uh, Doug Bowser. So I'm going to leave this in the show notes. You can check out the whole thing. It came out on the 16th of December, um, and it's uh, it was written by uh, Russ uh, Frushwick. But um, just I just wanted to bring up one certain topic, which was a, a sort of a, a question about the Switch Pro. So there was lots of discussions about Joy-Con drift and um, what Nintendo's whole plan was with uh, all the Mario stuff, you know, ending at the end of March. Like a, a lot of uh, questions a lot of Nintendo fans have, like, why are you doing this? Apart from we want your money now, not <laughs> midway through next year. But just uh, some of the stuff on uh, the Switch Pro. So I had it here, but it's... um. So I've lost my bit on the page. Here it is. So uh, Russ asked, uh, obviously, uh, rumors of the Switch Pro have basically been floating around for years at this point. You know, for a while, uh, it was alongside the Switch Lite, and then it didn't end up happening. These days, hardware strength is all the rage. Nintendo has never been one to push hardware, but obviously at this point, a 720 handheld screen is getting a bit of a creaker. How does that match with Nintendo's long-held strategy of updating the hardware after, let's say, three or four years? And this is uh, Doug Bowser. Yeah, a couple of thoughts here. There are a lot of questions in there. And let me just break it down. First, we're always looking at technology, and we know technology is constantly evolving and changing. We're always looking at what is coming to determine how can it enhance and improve the gameplay experience and whether that's on a current platform or whether that's a future platform, we're always looking at that. However, we also right now, uh, oh, sorry. However, we also see right now uh, and we talked about it, the momentum of Nintendo Switch and Nintendo Switch Lite in the fourth year is strong and we believe that changing the trajectory of another typical console lifestyle, uh, yeah, lifestyle, uh, and we will continue to, uh, for the foreseeable future to really look uh, lean into both of these platforms and the content that comes with it because that symbolic relationship that makes the real difference. And that's why Nintendo Switch is so differentiated. 
First, the hardware form factor obviously is something that you have a gaming system that you can play at home and a console. You can also take it on the go in handheld mode uh, virtually anywhere. It's unique and remains unique within the industry. But then, but then the way we build games into the platform and the way partners build games onto that platform is really what matters and the experience uh, that you have when you play it. So that's what we'll continue to lean into as we really get going into the fifth year of Nintendo Switch. And as uh, Mr. Farakawa, president of Nintendo, mentioned in his corporate management policy briefing, uh, we believe we're just at the midpoint of the uh, lifestyle of this platform. So um, a lot of these, uh, that answer is like a lot of the other answers he gave to some of the questions Russ gave in his Polygon article. Like when you, when you sort of like think about what he said, there was a. He basically answered the question without really answering the questions. Like, is there going to be a Switch Pro? He says, oh well, you know, we're always looking into it, and we're thinking about the technology, and we are halfway through the current, <laughs> the current life cycle of the Switch, which, like, you know, halfway through the lifestyle, lifestyle, uh, the the console cycle of the say the PlayStation Four or Xbox One. That is when they introduced a you know another console to up its power and prolong its life. Um, so uh, that that uh, sort of statement from Farakawa saying that you know the switch is nowhere near done doesn't necessarily mean a, a new switch you know could not potentially come out. Um, but I, I just personally I've just um, I'm really putting my uh, coins into a pile that I would I would bet that we will be seeing a, a beefed up switch next year and like surely if it doesn't come next year. I think uh, the sixth year, surely there's a um, brand new Switch coming out. But um, how do you feel about the Switch Pro sort of um, for 2021? Um, if it doesn't happen next year, it won't happen at all. It'll just be another platform after the Switch. Like the the, the new the new Nintendo line uh, that they have for the 3DSs um, was a fantastic idea and obviously it opened up a lot more to you know, what, what the 3DS can do. Obviously, it it wasn't entirely uh, unachievable what the 3DS could do. Like, it could play Smash Bros, for example, and all that. Uh, it just couldn't play it at the same level as the new consoles did because they had more RAM to support it. Um, you know, being able to home screen from the game and stuff like that without any interruptions and having to close the game and whatnot. And then you had the extra games that come out for it, like Xenoblade and such. And I think that's all good and stuff, but to be honest, I don't know how well those consoles sold in comparison to the base market for the 3DS by the end of the lifetime and whether it was worth shelling out for all of that. So Yeah, in the 3DS's case, probably not. Um, it was for me personally because I I used my 3DS a lot and just um, having it be a bit snappier back to the menus and all that, I was quite happy with the upgrade and it was just a nicer feeling unit. So I appreciated that. Um, but yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the switch. Uh, I think um, Doug he didn't necessarily say, you know what? No, we're happy with the switch at the moment. I think that might be relatively telling. And also, it is an interview on the the sixteenth, just before Christmas. He's not going to say yes. There is a better version coming no, later. Right. It's it's not going to happen. So yeah. Um, yeah. 
So moving on, this is from gamesindustry.biz and uh, Niantic donated a total of $7 million in 2022 Black Lives Matter charities. So Niantic donated a total of $7 million in 2022 nonprofits focused on supporting black communities. In its social impact report published today, Niantic listed 28 different organizations that received some portion of the uh, $7 million, at least $12 million of which stemmed from Pokemon Go Fest ticket sales earlier this year. The company has pledged... Uh, at least an additional uh, $5 million to supporting uh, new game and AR projects by black developers. Additionally, Niantic donated 170000 to pandemic relief this year and um, 700000 to support education, health and s- s- sustainability. Uh, it also fulfilled its pledge to promote 1,000 small businesses in Pokemon Go for free, which it continued to do over the next year. So just a nice thing I'd like to put out there that Niantic are... Uh, making a lot of money with Pokemon Go this year. It was a record-breaking uh, profit year for Pokemon Go, but they're also putting it back into community and, you know, supporting things that are, you know, important and helping helping uh, groups of people uh, be better. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Um, this, this is an interesting one. So this is from Nintendo Enthusiast, and Tencent is seeking a Pokemon consultant with uh, nine, 900 hours pl- plus of uh, game time. So this this was funny. So I'll just read it. Uh, I'll just read the tweet from uh, Daniel Med. So Tencent is recruiting 19 Pokemon related jobs right now. The most interesting of which is for a Pokemon consultant. So these are the requirements, Bryce. Do you meet them? Clear all Pokemon games with 900 plus hours of game time. Uh, all Pokemon games. All Pokemon games. 900 plus hours for each individual game. No, no, no. I, I overall. Yeah. Okay. Um, how it's worded, I, I take it as overall. Uh, no history of Pokemon, have a masterful ranking in Pokemon, so that's Pokemon Sword and Shield, and uh, have watched over 500 episodes of the anime. <laughs> um, so Daniel goes on to say that Tencent is a distributor of uh, Pokemon Switch products in China. I would assume the jobs are related to point one, but also could be that Tencent is working on Pokemon-related products beyond Pokemon Unite. Um, and he, he also said that the job listing is now taken down. There must have been too many Pokemon Masters applying lol. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an interesting little thing. Like um, I think a lot of pe- if if someone was hiring for like a Pokemon consultant job, I'm like, I love Pokemon. I want to make money by my knowledge of Pokemon. I don't know if I'm so knowledgeable I could be the Pokemon consultant for Tencent. Are you sure? I'm not, but I would have I would have over 900 hours. Surely I've put over. Oh yeah. Put over two hundred in Sword and Shield alone, so surely. Yep. I have put, put over three hundred in Emerald for sure. I mean, maybe. I, I definitely did. I reset my game a lot, so I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but um, I know my Pokemon history. Maybe not all of it, off the top of my head. Um, I don't have a multiple ranking in Pokemon because I haven't um done that much. They keep on resetting it too. So how do you prove it that you had it maybe at launch, but you don't anymore? Not quite sure, and. Uh, I probably haven't watched over 500 episodes of the anime, so I would have to do a bit of homework there. I would have to, <laughs> I would have to sit through just like Team Rocket, Binge. Team Team Rocket getting blasted off like a million times. I probably actually want to put my head in the sand after watching that much Pokemon anime. I'm but sure you would too. Just a little interesting thing: the job has been taken down. So if you're like, I am the biggest Pokemon expert in the world, it's too late. But uh, interesting, nevertheless. Rest in peace. Now, moving on, Bryce, this is a Nintendo Switch sales in uh, the US for November. And earlier, or I guess a month ago now, that I said that surely Nintendo Switch will not be the best-selling console 
in America for the 24th month in a row. You and, were proven wrong. <laughs> and I was wrong, which, uh, which is quite interesting. It really does show um, how understocked the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 were. Yeah. Um, so despite the launches of both the Xbox Series X and S and the PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch was the best-selling console in, in the US for the month of November. This makes 24 consecutive, uh, consecutive months uh, the Switch has sold the most of any console in the US, according to a press release from Nintendo sharing data from the MPD group. The Switch and the Switch Lite combined uh, systems sold 1.35 million units in the US during November, which including which was included in the Black Friday weekend. This is nearly twice as many units that were sold last month. Both the Xbox Series consoles on PS5 suffered from uh, supply constraints over the course of their pre-order launch months, uh, launch month periods. And for the full year, the Switch has sold 6.92 million units in the US so far, already more than they were sold in 2019, with one more month in the calendar remaining, which uh, is a big month, <laughs> being December and lead up to Christmas. Mm. So uh, I guess uh, pretty cool news for Nintendo. Um, it'll be interesting to see when, because there, there is a lot of demand for PlayStation 5, obviously the scalpers and all of that are just oh, yeah. eating up and... Yeah. Um, so once the PS5 does actually have enough to meet demand, we'll see where the Switch fits in then. Yep. But also also just with um, sales, the, the Switch has sold 1.3 million units in China, uh, which is a big success. It's twice as many as the Xbox uh, One and P- uh, PS4 over there. And in um, Canada as well, uh, it's um, also it's sold... Um, it's the best-selling console in Canada for 25 months in a row. Yeah, shit. So, um, you know, over in North America, it's absolutely killing it in, in China as well. So, interesting to see. And this is this is a, a pretty cool one. So, both um, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo have sort of merged um, their gaming pol- policies to sort of unite, um, I guess, sort of their, their message and their... Um, commitment to keeping people safe online. So on all, all of the uh, platforms' websites, they've put up sort of uh, their shared commitment to a safer gaming policies. And so you can go to either Nintendo, Xbox, or PlayStation to check this out. But this is pulling from Nintendo.com, and they say their shared commitment to safer gaming. And uh, the dot points they laid out is prevention, which uh, empowers players' parents to understand and control their gaming experiences. Partnership, which is their commitment to partnering with the industry regulators, law enforcers, and our communities to advance user safety. And responsibility, we uh, hold ourselves accountable for making our platforms as safe as possible for all players. So just a cool thing because we there was a couple of years ago when there was all this Fortnite was finally coming into cross-play with PlayStation. Um, <laughs> head of PlayStation, uh, what's his name? Something Ryan. Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan. Um, Jim Ryan was saying, you know, we can't do cross-play because all the kids... The children. Know, the children, you know, on, on Xbox and Nintendo, they're just rampant over there. they pedophiles and all that awful, awful stuff. Just imagine imagine him dressed up in Reverend Lovejoy's mm. uh, wife's attire. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Think of the children. Think of the children. So this is a, this is a great thing to see that with uh, games that are cross-play, there are going to be less issues just with um, different, I guess, different platforms having different... Uh, visions of what their online ecosystem is going to be and they can really conceal it together. So if you like to mm. check, if you like to check this out because you are interested because you're a parent or you're just interested in general, uh, I'll leave a link in the show notes to uh, Nintendo's page. You can check this out. And uh, just before we get into like uh, the recent releases, Bryce, this is a bit of a, just a fun story. 
So from Nintendo Enthusiast, and the article is, Man mails in Wii U for repair, yeah. <laughs> and Nintendo mails back his wedding I, ring. I saw that. <laughs> so reading from the article on Nintendo Enthusiast, we have shared tales uh, of Nintendo in Japan practicing spectacular customer service before. For instance, there was a time that Nintendo shipped a 95-year-old woman a new Game Boy because the company did not have the part on hand to repair hers. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> this uh, news story isn't quite that amazing, but it's awfully funny. Uh, a Japanese man mailed in a Wii U f- to Nintendo for repair, and Nintendo mailed back his wedding ring, which was inside of his Wii U. Uh, those facts we know for certain. However, we also trust a bit of Google Translate. It was seen that the man's daughter may have inserted the wedding ring in- in- inside the Wii U, thinking of it like inserting a coin into a piggy bank. Uh, that would raise a new question of how she got the ring and how long the ring was missing, but I guess it was a bit of a mastery is a good thing. What they actually don't realise is it was an elaborate wedding proposal that they just rejected. <laughs> yeah, trying to marry one of the Nintendo workers. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> marry me so I have insider knowledge. Yeah. I know firsthand of um, having a... Well, not a wedding ring, but, you know, buying a, um engagement ring and that. Like, that is a type of thing you put in your drawer or somewhere very safe. And if you lost it, you'll be in so much trouble. <laughs> Whether it's from your wife or just yourself because it's an expensive purchase. Mm. But, um, yeah, just a, a funny little story. Mm, yeah. And um, if he didn't get it back, his daughter would have been grounded for one month without any food or oh, Nintendo Switch. Jesus. <laughs> All right, Bryce. So, this is actually pretty cool. So, Persona 5 Strikers is a, finally uh, has a launch date for the West. And it's uh, got a bit of a steelbook coming. So this is from Vooks.com. And um, this is this one you're interested interested in, Bryce? You're keen to I'll get, get it. Persona yeah, Five I'll Strikers. Pick it up. Yeah, yeah. So it's coming out on the 23rd of February 2021, and um, you can pre-order a steelbook edition that comes with the soundtrack, a digital art book, and behind the scenes video. I know a lot of people are really excited for this. So very cool. Yeah. And um, if you are interested in some more games coming to Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, for the uh, uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, you get Donkey Kong Country. Uh, yeah, sorry, Super Nintendo. I just read the NES. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, Donkey Kong Country Three, Dixie Kong's uh, Double Trouble, uh, the uh, Interrogation Factor, uh, Super Vials Four, and Tough 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 Enough. Okay, Tough Enough. I haven't heard of Tough Enough. Have you heard Tough Tough Enough? No. So what is it here? So four champions seek to challenge the Great Tower. In this action game, your special attacks level up every time you defeat a certain number of enemies, making your hero grow even more powerful. Uh, make use of your uh, guard and be careful to time your special attacks against the tough guys you face on your way to Jade, the self-proclaimed fighter king. Um, with this instant replay feature, you can have even more fun watching the last moments play out. Okay, okay. And uh, also for the NES, you can get Nightshade as well. So some cool drops there. Obviously, Donkey Kong Country 3 is the the big one. I assume a lot of people are really excited about. Yeah, for sure. Jamie. Even though it was considered the worst one by most. But yeah. It's good that it's there. Yeah. All right, Bryce. So let's move on to the House of Mario's Red Coin Recommendations right. for this week. Oh, so Bryce, uh, I picked out a couple here, which uh keen about. So we talked about Among Us before. Which you can get for six dollars and forty-five cents. Very cheap. Very cheap. Get amongst it. They only marked it up an extra dollar forty-five. Wow, that's pretty good. Aren't they nice? 
Um, and the other couple, I had no idea what, but I just picked them out because of the name. And this is called Shakes on a Plane. Shakes on a Plane, Bryce. Oh, shit, yeah. And uh, the, bit, the bit of the verb it gives is, uh, Shakes on a Plane is a cha- chaotic co-op sh- shaking game for four players. Uh, flying on various planes with your flight crew, serve a, f- a variety of tasty shakes, burgers, fries, and many more dishes before on the plane uh, before the plane lands on the airport, and your p- passenger rates your services. But it is not only you who creates all the mess. Aliens always had a good look on our shiny planet with its weird citizens, but the undeniable delicious food they're creating and cooking uh, in the intergalactic community. So, did Samuel Snackson make an appearance in this? Uh, I believe he did. I believe he did. <laughs> so, just looking at the screenshots, Bryce, it looks very much like a overcooked uh, sort of setup. Beautiful. Uh, no idea what it's like, but if uh, if you are a big fan of, say, overcooked, uh, probably make, for you. Go and look up a review or something. Mm. It might be for you. And this is also a game that caught me out just because of the name. So it's called Freddy Spaghetti. Oh yes, Freddy Spaghetti. So meet Freddy. Freddy Spaghetti. Oh, <laughs> and. <laughs> Freddy. Meet Freddy. Freddy is spaghetti. I, I like that very much. Uh, follow along Freddy's story as you plunge headfirst into challenges and obstacles. Created in a laboratory machine by the brilliant Dr. P. Star, Freddy's story turned out to be quite the adventure that would follow. Freddy uses rope physics to simulate the squishy, stretchy, and ropey character. Walk, run, jump, slide, slap, smash, kick, dodge, and epic fail your way to the goal. Epic fail. (laughs) Oh, just epic fail your way to the goal. That's not a fail if you're making your way to the goal, just saying. Overcome the environment, master your spaghetti. So, features. These are the dot dot points. Uh, Fun and easy controls. They don't sound easy, just to be fair, just from what you said. Physics all over the place. (laughs) Unique levels. So they're not all the same. Every level is just like the same. I like how they have to like <laughs> say that. Uh, hilarious and captivating story. I'm sure it's so captivating. Uh, professional narration. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, heaps of personality. So it's on sale at the moment for six dollars and thirty nine cents. I don't know. Twenty percent like, off. Sounds like a bit of a wet noodle to me. Yeah. So, it looks like, so very much a physics game. Trying to get a piece of. Uh, Biscetti. Biscetti. Jesus, <laughs> now we're reverting to childhood. Biscetti? Biscetti. Freddy's Spaghetti. So, on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, at the moment, there is a, a huge Christmas sale going on at the moment. And I just want to highlight some of the games that are on sale at the moment. So, uh, Double Kick Heroes is 20% off for $26.40. Uh, it's a game that was in one of the uh, Nindy presentations a fair while ago when I was pretty keen to play it. And... It actually made its way into Xbox Game Pass. I've been playing it this uh, weekend, and it's just a really quite uh, interesting uh, rhythm game where you're trying to escape a horde of zombies by, um, you know, drumming out to a to like a the metal and rock music. It's got a great soundtrack from like the couple of hours I've played. And going through the story mode, there's uh, quite interesting dy- dynamics between all the characters, and um, even some like point and click adventure uh, portions of the game too. Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's a that's a cool one. Uh, Guacamole t- two is seventy percent off, and it's nine dollars at the moment. Uh, Guacamole t- uh, one was a, a game I really enjoyed when it launched on the PlayStation Vita in two thousand and twelve, believe it was. And I haven't actually got around to the second one, but from everything I hear, the second one is even better than the first. And I I did pick up this game on a sale um, a few months ago. When it was on sale, so it does come on sale quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely an interesting one. 
And uh, the next last one is uh, Super Meat Boy, which uh, we talked about Super Meat Boy Forever coming out soon. But if you haven't played Super Meat Boy... The first game is really good. It's absolutely yeah. excellent. So yeah. it's only $7.80, so definitely worth picking up. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I got this list from Vooks.net. They have done... They do every week an absolutely fantastic job of compiling uh, the latest releases as well as uh, the sales going on. So if you want to check out every single game that's on there without going through that awful loading that the eShop does. And when there, when there's 1,400 games on sale, you'll never get to the end of that list unless you get a rubber band and put it on the analog stick and just leave it. But that kind of beats the point because you won't see it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so absolutely fantastic. So go and check out that. I'll leave it in the show notes. Um, Ross, we're going for an hour and a half. So I'm not sure. We won't have enough time for Reggie's record and Willing. You've got to leave. No, I've you, got to leave. You've got to leave. So yeah. how do you feel about... Doing another episode, which it's all about the the games and 2020, um, and we'll put it up Christmas Day. How do you feel about that? If I can find time for it this week, I don't think I will. <laughs> all right, we'll see what we can do. We were going to talk about, uh, you know, if if not, we'll do that for New Year's. How's that sound? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. We'll, we'll we'll do it later. We don't have time now, and the episode is going longer. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, all good. No, yeah, I think that'll be a good New Year's one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Like it, it was a relatively, uh, it's a very much a quiet year, but there was uh, some great titles that came out from Nintendo and yep. uh, third parties as well. I totally agree. Same. That brings to the end of the show, Bryce. Thank you very much for joining me. No, as always. As always. Same. And thank you very much to you for listening to the House of Mario episode 172. If you enjoy the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, much like James did. And he says, uh, a, de- a definitive Nintendo podcast and uh, he goes on to say, an informative and witty uh, podcast for all for fans of all things Nintendo. Always enjoy listening. Keep up the great work. Thank you, James. Buddy. So thank you very much. And uh, another another review from Great Britain. Oh, so very cool. It's, cool. it's always cool to hear about people from the other uh, side of the world mm. that are listening yeah. to our uh, banter. Yeah. <laughs> very I cool. Love it. So go and uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you can't manage that, well, that's okay. We appreciate you listening. We just listening. won't be reading out your review. <laughs> yeah, we just won't read your review because <laughs> you don't, don't supply us one. <laughs> if you'd like to keep up with the show on Twitter, you can follow me at iDruby. You can follow the show at The House of Mario and you can follow Bryce at IV Revan. You can uh, join our Discord community with an uh, invite in the show notes below or beside or above, depending on what app you use. It might just be on top of us, depending on what it does. I'm, I'm, I'm not up with all the uh, UIs of every single app or Spotify or, you know, whatever it is. So don't leave me accountable. But on mine, I swipe to the side and the show notes come up. So technically, it's to the right of me for most of the time. For most of the time. But it is there. It's yes. somewhere. Yeah, Go and yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just there. So, Bryce, uh, Nintendo Jukebox this week, where, where is it? Uh, it's there. Where is um, it? Before you do start it, though, mm. before you do start it, though, um, in the events that this is the last episode before Christmas, which is pretty highly likely, to be honest, because it's on the on the run up to Christmas now. Um, thank you, everyone, for the awesome year and supporting us during uh, what has been an e- extremely hard year. Um, we appreciate it very much. Obviously, there was times there where it was very hard to get together and record or if we were able to at all. And um, sometimes we would have to rely on doing it online or doing solo episodes and the uh, response and feedback and just the general, um, 
support behind us during these times has been extremely incredible and um, has, you know, seldom reminded us why we continue to do this uh, every week and why we've enjoyed doing it every week for the few years we've done it now. You know, uh, we're slowly, slowly on the climb up to episode uh, 200. That's a, that's a lot of episodes and um, mm. neither of us get sick of it. We do it week by week regardless of, you know, whether it's it's both of us or one of us or either of us or whatever. Except for last week. Except but- for last week. Yeah, last week was a bit different though. Uh, it is it is a very strange Christmas this year and I'm sure everybody else is also feeling the same. Um, so uh, from both Drew and myself, uh, provided this is the last one before Christmas, uh, we really do hope you enjoy your Christmas and hopefully you get to see your family. And if you don't get to see your family, contact your family and, you know, talk to them and don't forget that while uh, while this whole thing is going on and has been a problem for the entire world this year that um, everybody is always thinking of each other and you're always together no matter how far apart you are uh, and we at the house Mario thank you very very much yeah well said Bryce I feel exactly the same way and mm. doing this podcast with you each week it's, it's the highlight of my week absolutely. I absolutely love it I love being able to have a reason to talk to you each week have you over yeah. um, catch up because because without it, you know, we get we get lost in work and all that, and we just sort of go, "Oh shit, it's been a month." Like, you know, that's how yeah. that's how adulting works, and that's exactly right, and that's how most adulting works. All yeah. that, yeah, and just um, putting this podcast out and just the feeling it gives me, and um, even if there's like one or two or fifty or I don't know how many people out there are listening to this uh, yeah. and, and enjoy it each week, and it helps them, I don't know, get through a study session or a, a trip to work or whatever. Because I've got I've got podcasts that I listen to that give me that exact exact same feeling so absolutely yeah a, a very merry christmas and a happy new year to all and um i also want to say that like this like you said bryce the support this year has been great and we um at the start of the year we moved to a brand new um podcast platform and since we've moved we've actually had over um i guess uh, eight and a half thousand uh downloads which is insane mm. which is really cool for like a small podcast for our size and we've had multiple episodes uh go to uh 200 plus downloads and listens so uh, it's cool to see a bit a bit of growth there and hopefully in 2021 we'll come back stronger than ever and put keep out some hitting. great content yeah keep in and we'll get back to the usual schedule next year hopefully too mm. with the conventions and stuff as well which will be good yeah and like yeah. just with pokemon's 25th year anniversary zelda like Zelda, I want to do like a lot of like special stuff to uh, you know celebrate those uh, those, those franchises we love so much. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Alrighty, alrighty. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, guys. Can go back to the jukebox now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, this week's uh, Nintendo jukebox is the Prelude Final Fantasy Christmas Remix Special. Obviously, with Sephiroth coming out Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and our uh, big uh, I guess the discussion of Final Fantasy earlier in the episode mm. seems very fitting. So. Enjoy the, the Christmas, the Christmas music, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you soon or in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, guys. Catch you later. Bye bye. Better shut the door. It's a bit, it's a bit warm in here. Mm, yeah. See you, mate. All that snow in Australia. Yeah. Mm. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>